Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the Holy Spirit is going to help me again and again and again. And um, we have a message. We have a message. And it's it's one of those messages, as normally it is every Sunday morning, I stand here and um, my thought is, how would I bring it out? How will I bring out this message? And always the answer is by the Holy Spirit. It's not my message. I'm a vessel that wants to be fully yielded to the utterance of the Holy Spirit. And um, I cannot allow it to hit my head. I cannot allow uh, the flow of the Holy Spirit to be hindered by a, a traditional thought of a doctrine. I cannot allow the Holy Spirit to be hindered in my life. And so here I fully submit again and again and again to his divine utterance. And the message for today is endure to overcome. Ha, ha, ha. Maybe one of my most favorite messages. My name is written right in it. Endure to overcome. Endure to overcome. And then the Lord gave me a subtitle, a recap of this message before I even speak the message. The victory is in the endurance, buddy. The victory is in the endurance. The victory is in the endurance. You know, we know how often, uh, when is this thing going to be over? When is this thing going to be over? Where is my victory? The victory is in you, endurance to withstand all and to give God the glory because in Christ you have already overcome all. Last week I was so stirred up. Last week I felt I was on this mighty propeller of a windmill. And, 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 uh, the utterance from last week, of course, I'm continuing it today. It was the champion's walk called a good fight of faith. And so today is endured to overcome. And so endurance is required in this race, by the way, because Christ had to endure. Paul had to endure. John had to endure. Peter had to endure. Moses had to endure. The great patience of God is ever enduring forever and ever. His word endures forever. Never perishes. Ah, endurance is a most powerful word to us as a Christian. It ought not to intimidate. It ought to cheer us up. It's an upside down moment of a divine reality, which is really the right way up. Endurance is your victory. So let's go to Philippians chapter 2 again, where we'll be touching on verses that we can, all of us, I'm sure, have memorized. And with closed eyes, we can live through the Bible pages and locate them. But let's just put our eyes on the Word of God. And ask the Holy Spirit for revelation to walk out this dominion on earth which looks like endurance to subdue all things and to line all things according to the counsel of His will. The body of Christ, the ruling body of the living God is made to endure in order to subdue all things, to line up all things for his soon return, for he is a soon coming king. Oh, and faith 
what you'll be looking for. And you and I will be found standing to the very end on the word of God that alone produces faith, which works through love. Knowing that he so loved me, that he laid down his life for you and me. And so Philippians chapter 2, 5, this is the very mind of Christ. What does it look like to have the mind of God in operation? What does it look like to have the very thoughts of God? It looks like dominion, and dominion looks like a submission to the will of God. Dominion looks like a death of an old carnal nature that is an enemy to God. Dominion looks like thus says the Lord. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Dominion on earth in the body of Christ. It looks like Christ, Christ, the risen Lord, having a say so right now, right now. We're not waiting for the more of God. We're not waiting for the best to come. We are in the more of God. We are the more of God. And we are the best of God. That we have come for an hour such as now. I am again stirred up. It's the Holy Ghost propelling dominion through every pore of the body of Christ right now. Endure to the end. As Paul endured to the end to obtain an imperishable crown. Endure and let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. One with God. The very same of God. God himself. Do not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Knowing full well who he is. And did not shy away from knowing this reality of being one with God. What does John 1 say? What does John say about Jesus? The word made flesh that dwelled among us. What does he say? The apostle whom Jesus loved, the beloved of God, as you and I are the beloved of God, do we know this reality? That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this is what Jesus not considered robbery to be called equal with God. The Word was with God. Who is Jesus? The Word made flesh, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, without the word. Ha! Without the word, nothing was made that was made. So why do you think you can make some things in your life without the word having made them for you? Another lesson. Let's just focus on today's lesson. That endurance is where your victory is at. And so Jesus did not consider Robert to be equal with God. Verse 7, back to Philippians 2, 7. But made himself of no reputation. In the very, in the very knowing of who he is. In the reality of being one with God, God himself. What did he do? 
he humbled himself. He humbled the great I am. Humbled himself. Made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant. He showed us the way. If you want to be first, don't run ahead of the crowd. Let him exalt you as you humble yourself under his mighty hand, which is the word of God. Taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of man, and being found in the appearance as a man, the word made flesh that dwelt among us, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Don't tell me that men cannot humble themselves. You're just refusing to do so. We are made to humble ourselves before our living God, before our Creator, to walk in the fear and admonition of the Lord, for we will give an account. Doesn't matter what you feel like, whether you're going to give an account or not, you will give an account for the life you lived in this body. You will. There's no way out of it. It is appointed for men to go that way, to give an account for the very life that God has entrusted you with, the very word of God he has given you. To bring forth submission to his will. We are found in compliance. And we say by faith, yes, we will be found in compliance. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Became what? Obedient to the point of death. Oh, it's too difficult. I don't want to walk this narrow walk of the Christian. It's too difficult. Really? You just don't, you just refuse to humble yourself. Is that what's so difficult? Yes, the flesh refuses to humble itself to the mighty word of God. But the quicker we learn obedience through suffering of denying our old man, ha ha, the greater that exaltation will be before our heavenly father. He came obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He came obedient. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He endured the cross. Isn't that what Hebrews tells us? What does Hebrews 12 say to us regarding this? Let's find Hebrews. Chapter 12. We're now in the the end of of verse 1. The way to run this race with endurance that is set before us. How do we do this? By looking to the one who endured all. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. The maturer of our faith. The grower upper of our faith which is the word of God, Jesus, made flesh, the word. As I behold this living reality of the word, that he went before me, who for the joy that was set before him endured, what say you? Yes, endured. 
Lord endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And here we go back to Philippians. What does that look like? It looks like Philippians 2.9. The was he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Crucifixion he underwent for you and I. Crucifixion nailed, immovable on a sinner's cross. On the tree he died to become a curse for you and I. He endured it all. The curse itself, the very wrath of God, the penalty of sin. He endured it all so you and I today can have a confidence to walk through no matter what. That the flames of the fire we walk through will not put a fear but a joy in us. What say you are made for this? Watch me go through it. Watch me go through it and the waters part for me. Watch me make it in this adverse moment. Watch me brave this adverse wind and subdue it in the name. Watch me. Have the attitude of the believer. Endurance to overcome. We are to be seen by powers and principalities. Why? Because we're right above them. To be seen by all as a demonstrator of the mighty grace of our Heavenly Father. Back to Philippians 2.9. Therefore, therefore, God also has exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Well, that's what Hebrews write, right? That he sat, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The highest exaltation. And now in him, we are right there. Before our heavenly father in Christ, we are in love, blameless in the sight of God because of the endurance of the cross. And when you see, when you see your moment that you've got endured through as your moment of exaltation, there will be a joy within you to persevere to the very end so that your life where your life will bow the knee to the only king. That your tongue will confess the glory to the only firstborn, the begotten, begotten of the Father. That he is Lord over all. To the glory of our heavenly Father. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. I have a ribbon. Chapter 2. I read the first portion last week. In the very beginning, verse 2. Therefore, Paul writing to Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is this grace to overcome all, to endure all? So victory be had by all. 
And the things that you have heard from among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also this dissemination of the gospel into all the world. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And then he talks about the athlete. And also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless, he is not crowned unless there is rules and regulations. Yes, yes. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little. Unless he competes according to the rules, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. This is the reward. When you labor for the Lord, it's never in vain. And the reward is always from him because we know that he is and that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Those that believe in him. Then verse 7, consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And here we come into verse 8. Endure to overcome. The victory is in the endurance. This is my message. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, royal seed of kingship, was raised from the dead. He had to undergo death in order to be exalted. Was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble. So now we're looking at Paul having to endure some things. The one that penned the walk in the revelation of the mystery of Christ. The one that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the apostle Paul that was apprehended by the Lord Jesus Christ through this light that burst forth on the road to Damascus and knocked him off of that which was carrying him on earth. So that now the Holy Spirit would lead Paul where the Holy Spirit desires for Paul to go. A bond servant of Christ and of Christ. And so, for which I, Paul says, verse 9, for which I suffer. After he said to Paul, endure, sorry, to Timothy, endure hardship as a good soldier, he's saying, I had to do the same. For which I suffer trouble as an, as an evildoer. Oh my dear. Being falsely accused, he's suffering trouble as an evildoer. And yet he's preaching gospel. Yes, yes, we are in that hour right now. Yes. Even to the point of change and how few of us are in this place of willing to fully lay down our life for the sake of the gospel. Paul says, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, as a lawbreaker, even to the point of chains, 
But the word of God is not chained. It's not chained. It's not chained. It doesn't matter how, which way we go in the natural. The word of God is not chained. And when I'm in the unchained and least powerful word of God, watch me make it through every situation, every circumstance. And we are like cream always coming up on top. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Why? Because the victory is found in the endurance. It's not being a coward, hiding in case I be chained. It's not pretending I'm really good so I don't suffer persecution of an evildoer, though I've done nothing wrong. Where God's concerned. The word of God is not chained. The word of God is not chained. No matter what chaining goes on the front door of so-called churches, the word of God is not chained, not chained. It's running its course, it's running its course, and it will run its course. And if you're willing and submitted, you too will run the course of the word, and you will never perish. And you endure to the very end, and you come up with your fist up high. Yes, I conquer all. Yes, there's a crown waiting for me that the judge of all will give unto me. Just like Paul said that. Why be timid? Why be afraid? Therefore, Paul says in verse 10, Therefore, I endure all things. I, Paul says, endure all things. Ouch, ouch, ouch. No one in the natural state of being would like to testify of it. But I'm telling you, when you have the persuasion of the Word of God by the power of the Holy Ghost, this is sheer triumph. Sheer triumph. I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain that as the Jewish people. For the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul has set his face as flint for his people. Laid down his life, was persecuted by them as an evildoer, a lawbreaker. What does James tell us? James 1 that we can boldly put a smile on when we re read this verse. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. It is the hour to count it all joy. Because this is the hour of persecution. Yay, yay, yay. This is the hour of the exaltation of the body of Christ. We are like the ark of Noah that will be buoyed up by the troubled waters of the world. To be seen by men. So the gospel of Christ be propelled forward. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing, do you know it as Paul knew it? As Jesus knew it? Knowing that Jesus, the word says about Jesus again in, in Philippians. He didn't consider robbery. To be equal with God. And yet lay down his life. Because he knew, he knew his God. He knew his heavenly father. He knew the mandate on his life. Do you know the mandate on your life? 
the call of God. To be a living epistle for Christ that all men might read your life and see the glory of God. Not cowering in, 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 in somewhere in hiding. Or blending with the world, blending with the world. To avoid persecution. No. We're counting it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Patience, steadfastness. Oh, but let, I love steadfast. I love meeting someone that's steadfast. And I can tell you lately, less and less we're seeing it. Less and less of this perseverance in Christ. A little obstacle comes and we are, I mean, it, it, we have to put our faces back in the word of God in these verses to not be moved and not be shaken. Let patience have its perfect work. How is patience having its perfect work? What produces patience? Trials, the testing of your faith that is more precious than gold, Peter says. And Peter knew some things about testings. Denying his Lord three times. Repentance is our way out. Let patience have its perfect work and that you may be perfect, mature. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. That's why Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. That they lack nothing. That they lack nothing. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Because when you start seeing endurance in this manner as your victory, if you withstand all to the very end, you will inherit the, you inherit the crown of glory. You will walk out that which God has given to you. That which God has apportioned to you, because actually before we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Maybe you don't have to leave. I'll just read this. It's verse 16. Therefore, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, even though our outer man, our outer man, the outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man the true reality of who you are, the born-again man, is being renewed day by day. Transformation is happening from glory to glory. For our light affliction, light, what you're going through, it's a light affliction, the Word of God says. No matter how intense it might feel right now, the word says it is light, but not only is it light, but it's actually working for you. Ha! A great victory of a great deliverance, a testimony that the Lord Jesus Christ is alive indeed. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How is it working? How is it working? This light affliction, how is it working for you? 
a great victory by you putting your eyes on the unseen reality of the word of God and not surveying natural circumstances. Brother so-and-so is, 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 is stuck in the same mess. And so him and I, we're both stuck in the same mess. So let's just commiserate together. Let's just pity one another. No, run, run, run. And as you run, you're aiding the brother. And making a way for the glory to be seen. You're becoming a living hope for another. Run your race with endurance. Why would you not look at the things which are seen? But are the things which are not seen, beholding the living Christ, beholding the word of God. That's what faith is. What is faith? Faith is a persuasion of those things that are not seen. What, is, what, does, what, what does Hebrew 11 tell us about faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. I'm losing my hope. I'm losing my hope. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, no, that's not a portion. No, a portion is faith, which is a substance of things hoped for. I'm living it out. I'm living it out. I've laid hold of the word of God. I'm living it out. It's my substance. It's evidence of things not seen. This word is evidence. If the word tells me, don't lose heart, this is just a light little moment that's actually working for you. The way it worked for Jesus, the way it worked for Paul, it's going to work for Desi Schneider. It's going to work for you. And you can put your name in it. Put your name in it. It's going to work for you. It will work for you because this word does not change. And if the word says that we are triumphing at all times, if the word says that we are being led this way to triumph overall, always in victory, that even my faith is making this victorious way for me, then that's how it's going to be. It's how it's going to be. I don't need a second opinion. I don't need my flesh to tell me how it feels. No. 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 Endurance is required for the things which are seen are temporarily. They're passing by vanities with no substance. So don't put it substance. Don't give it substance. Don't give it weight by sitting on it and mulling over it. No, let it go. Let it go. Things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I get stirred up like that, and I pray that you just not watch my animation, but you'd receive this impartation of this divine reality of triumph in adverse situations, that the adverse moment is working for you. It's work. Did it work for Jesus? It worked for Jesus. It worked so much for Jesus that Satan repented for having crucified the Lord of glory. The cross of Christ is your victory. The cross of Christ is your victory. And really, that's how you become born again. How do you become born again? In, in Romans 10. And the word says in verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. He had to die for resurrection to happen. He had to die that through this resurrection, we together with him were raised up. The entire body of Christ is how God 
flexed his muscle. Do you not see Jesus had to die? That's the ultimate mystery that was hidden from the princes of this world. So that God could show that he is God himself. Okay, a little, a little history lesson right here. And so let's finish this verse before I move on to the book of Revelation. I, I was still going to go to 1 Corinthians as well. Um, how do we get born again? By confessing, believing in our hearts. God raised him from the dead, will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Believe unto righteousness. Don't believe unto perdition by taking on fear. And, 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 the, and the, the evil waters of the world, the sinky boat. No, you walk on the water. You hush the storm. Believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Yes, that all tongues shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. This is our ultimate confession in Christ. The Christian confession is that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. It's how Satan is silenced. Book of Revelation 12. Mandriaha. Glorious hour. Don't be moved in this hour. You're not going down. You're already far above it all. How can you go down? Don't lose heart. Don't faint in your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Have this mind be that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Believe the word. Believe unto righteousness. Look at this. Because you've got an adversary who knows every weakness of your outer man. But you know what? That's to his perdition. Because he's going to use these weaknesses to come against us and we're going to call them light and there's nothing and they're going to work for us. A great exaltation. Ha ha. Flex your stuff, buddy. Flex your stuff. You know, I often, a little personal moment, whenever I go through a hard moment and, and uh, I, I come into this moment of reality, it is finished. It's finished. Even though on the outer, it seems it's not. I know it's finished because Christ said it is finished. It's done. And so when I come into this doneness of persuasion, I've entered into that Rest of faith. I've ceased from external labor of figure out, trying to patch the mess. No, no, I let it go. And I have one sight, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, I say, another one bites the dust. Another little trouble that Satan wants to be your, no, it just bit the dust. Glory be to God. It's so over and over and over when we walk in faith with this persuasion of beholding the unseen reality of our God. Satan is being pushed down again and again and again. And I love it and I love it and I love it. And so here we see, here we see how he was cast down. So he'd be further cast down by you and I through this triumph of Christ. Uh, Revelations 12, 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. And we know that this was not a long stretch of war because Jesus says, as a lightning, he saw Satan fall. 
But they did not prevail. Satan and, and his angels did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. They were cast down. Where were they cast down? So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil. And Satan, you do have an enemy. It's that serpent of old called the devil. And Satan, you do have an enemy. It's that old serpent of old called the devil. And Satan, don't fool around. You do have an enemy. But you have in Christ fully overcome. You've got the armor of God. And this old serpent called the devil, Satan, is no matter what he dishes out, when you are in Christ situated in this unseen reality of persuasion, if God be for me, who can be against me? You will triumph over it. And that which is dishing out, it's going to bring forth growth, patience, maturity. You will be complete, lacking nothing. Oh, ho, ho. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Because our conquering king has done it all. So this is who the devil is, who deceives. That word deceive is leads astray. It's a Greek word, 4105. And so be alert and be vigilant. We've been talking about being vigilant. We went last week to 1 Peter 5, talked about uh, casting our cares uh, on the Lord for he cares for us. And right before that is about submitting and humbling ourselves under his mighty hand, not to be arrogant, not to be prideful, so that we can be vigilant, to be alert for the adversary. The devil roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, not you and I in Christ. And this is how he devours, by deceiving. That word in the Amplified Translation is seducer. He is seducing through deceptive lies. It is seductive to your outer senses. That's why you got to reckon that outer man dead. Lest he be seduced, deceived. Because Satan deceives, leads astray the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. You see, he deceives the whole world, but we are not of the whole world. We are of heaven, placed on assignment. And so when we know our heavenly citizenship, we cannot be deceived because we are Lord. We are on assignment at all times. There is a divine purpose to your life and my life, and we live in such a manner. Then I heard the loud voice saying in heaven, how salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before our God day and night has been cast down. Don't listen to accusation. It's not the voice of your good shepherd. It is the voice of your enemy, that serpent of old called the devil, Satan, the deceiver. But look at verse 11. How do we overcome him? By the blood of the lamb. That is the death of the cross. Where he shed his blood. By the blood of the lamb. The pure blood that was shed for you. That has cleansed a guilty conscience. That has consecrated me for service unto my God. So I serve my God in pure conscience. A purification of the conscience of, of the Christian. To live life before God, knowing they're pure in the sight of God. That is power. 
that overcomes all adversity when you know you're right because of the blood, because of the blood of Christ. By the word of their testimony, this confession of the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I belong to my Lord now. I've been snatched out of this wicked world that's under the sway of the wicked one, and I'm far above it all. And look at this other one that we skip over. They did not love their lives to the death. That's called endurance. They did not love their lives to death all the way to the very end. We stand for God. We've counted the cost. We stand for God. We don't cower. We don't bow the knee to an idol. And God's our helper in this hour. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath. Don't fool yourself. Satan hates you with full wrath. Because he knows he has a short time. Short time. We have a, he's got a short time. And so don't fall prey in the short time. Reckon the old man dead and that your affliction are light and momentary and that he's already been defeated. Where at the cross? Let's now go to 1 Corinthians 2. <laughs> That's what Paul would say to the Corinthian church that he's determined not to know anything among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The ultimate victory. Because the victory is in the endurance of that cross that he overcame. Behold, he's alive now. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Whoever lives and so verse 6 in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, 6, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, not the worldly philosophy and psychology, nor of the rulers of this age, of new age, uh, new age religiosity, doctrines of demons, traditions of men. Those are coming to naught. They're coming to nothing. Nothing, zero, nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God that abides forever in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of for our glory. Look at this verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. So this wisdom that Paul is speaking to us that we have an ability to de decree Ephesians 3 tells us that the church now can declare and has access and ability to manifold, declare the manifold wisdom of God to powers and principalities, to disclose the plans of God, that even angels are hearkening to our voice. We speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Predetermined. God is not scrambling to make a new plan. The plan is intact. It is working. It is working. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord, the glory. Had they known, 
Had they known that I was going to be their demise and their ultimate defeat, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had the devil known that the trouble he dished my way would have brought such a spiritual strength in me and within my home, he would have never dished it out. But too late, devil, too late. You overplayed your hand again and again and again. That's how we go up. That's how we go up. Though there might be a great flood of dissipation, we will not partake of that. We are safe in the ark of the covenant of God, in the ark of the tabernacle of God, in the body of Christ, exalted far above all, far above all, far above all, Ephesians 3. Look at the reality Paul lived in. Let's go uh, talking about how he received this mystery. Paul received the mystery of Christ. Um, Ephesians 3.3. How that by revelation, through the utterance of the Holy Spirit, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery. This mystery that was predetermined before the foundation of the world. Paul had access to. God disclosed it through revelation, but which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. Yes, because we knew Satan didn't know it for sure, because had he known, he would have not crucified the son of glory. That's why the most dangerous, the most dangerous message you can hear in the body of Christ is a crossless message. A crossless message. They can live any old way you want to live that God gets you. Crossless message. No. No. We reign in ourselves. No. We, we don't allow our members to be used for, for sin, but for righteousness. We believe unto righteousness. We confess with our mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So go back to verse 5 regarding this mystery that was disclosed to Paul, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ that you and I, that were Gentiles and, and, and enemies to the covenants of God, but now in Christ we're partakers of his promise. Through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And then verse 8, he talks about that he is to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages, the fellowship of the mystery to fellowship with Christ, to live out his life on earth. Like, like Paul said, where in, um, back to Philippians chapter three, we go back to Philippians, but I can just read that if you keep your fingers here. I just have to find Philippians. Just right after Ephesians, of course. What was it we just read? 
the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God. Well, in chapter three of Philippians, he talks about being found in this press that he is to gain Christ, verse nine, to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ to fellowship by faith in Christ, with Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, to fellowship with mysteries, mysteries that bring forth a conformity to his death so we can experience this life of resurrection here on earth. Verse 11, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, to live this life which is above. And so now this mystery is being disclosed to us. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This is why you endure all. This is why you allow the cross, you pick up the cross daily. This is why you reckon your old man dead so that you may live this life of resurrection that is only found in Christ through faith in the gospel. To be, to be able to be used by God to bring forth proclamations, disclosures divine, to make known by us the church to the principalities and powers and in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. One. To know we are one. That we have access. But look at verse 13. Look at the context of what he's talking about. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you. Which is for your glory. It's working for you, he's saying. Don't look at what I have to undergo, but rejoice because this tribulation is working a far greater weight of glory that is benefiting you. You, what an amazement to me this is. He's willing to lay down his life for the brethren. He says, don't be dismayed at this persecution, at the trials I have to undergo, because I know they're working for me. Because I count it all joy, it's working a patience in me that's producing a godly character in me so that I'll live in this eternal hope that never disappoints. Romans 4, we'll wrap up here with Romans 4, and then I'll continue, I'll con again to be continued for next Sunday. So, or, so Romans 5, sorry about that. Romans 5, it's verse 4. Actually, let's start from 1, and we'll, we'll go, and we read until 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, what reality? This is that fellowship in Christ, by faith alone, based on a righteousness that was purchased for us. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Access we have. We have access, the word says, right? We have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. That was Ephesians 3. Here in Romans 5, 
with peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Standing. Standing today we are. Overcoming all. Because the victory is in the endurance, right? We stand in this grace and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And this joy is dependent on how you consider your situation right now. It, it is working for you. Consider it the right way. Behold the unseen God. Not the sin circumstance. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Look at that. We glory in tribulations. That's why Paul says, don't be dismayed by my tribulation. It's working for me and for you. It's working, he says, for your glory. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character, godly character. A man and a woman of integrity, a truth-sayer, unmoved and swerving from the persuasion of the Word of God, confronting all things in this manner of the Word of God. Not pretending, not glazing over, facing it and overcoming it. Yes, victory looks like that. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God. Again, we finished with the love of God as we did last week from 1 John, now in Romans 4, 5, sorry. Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And that to me looks like if God so loved me that he gave me his son. If he be for me in such a matter, then what can be against me? Glory be to God. Nothing can be against us. We are done. Amen.